welcome to We Never Met, the podcast where I have an interesting stranger on every single week. And today we have... Megan Stark. Yeah, you nailed it. You started off strong. Awesome. Um, so to give people like a quick idea of what you do, I mean, I know like kind of what you do, you mm-hmm. know, from researching as much as I could on the internet. Yeah. Um, but what would you tell people that you you do? Like, what would they know you for? I guess. Um, sometimes it depends on how people find me, but the most common ways people find me online is through Instagram and YouTube. But yeah, really, I'd say 80% of my time is spent doing web development, photography and content strategy. Yeah. So is that your nine to five? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you could call it a nine to five. Yeah. I work for a consulting firm based in Houston. Oh. So I've worked remote and done kind of like contract work sure. and stuff all on my own. Basically, since college, the last yeah. time I had a traditional job where other people are telling me what to do, when right. to do it, and when to come in to do it, yeah, um, was probably like 2013 or 2014. Oh, wow. So, it is tough to... So, technically, yeah, it's... And with the territory of being a freelancer, it it's almost past nine to five sometimes. Right. But then also, certain days, it's... It's 10 to 2 and then go do something fun, especially when the weather is getting nicer. So Right. Yeah. And and you are, I mean, obviously really into motorcycles. Yeah. Because yeah. I couldn't call myself like an expert because it's, I'd say I'm, you know, a hobbyist rider, a street okay. rider, because there is, you know, there is a different degree to it. It's not just getting around like a car. It is mm. a subculture. Yeah. But I certainly... I'm not like a gearhead who knows the ins and outs. I'm not an engineer. Right. Um, I'm just I'm just an enthusiast. That's probably right. the word. I think I yeah. Yeah. That's just what I should have led with. I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. That's what <laughs> I'm I do. Just very enthused. Yeah. Um, when did you first start getting into motorcycles? Um, I started riding dirt bikes out of my uncle's property. He has 120 acres of farmland. Wow. Part of it he re- he leases out, so it wasn't you know full rain all over. But right. he owned a big piece of land and he used to race honda motorcycles when he was younger and i think there was a kind of an accident that spooked him out of it Mm. but um he got my brother and i into it he had a bunch of um small displacement uh motocross bikes around and so we would kick around there and that was a lot of fun but i kind of had to pump the brakes on that because at the same time i was an irish dancer and my mom would always like you know you're out there riding motorcycles and getting very bruised up and Irish dance is almost like beauty pageants meet the Olympics <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something or like gymnastics almost. Right. I mean, it's a kind of dance, but there is this kind of aesthetic element to it. Right. Um, most people wear wigs and um, yeah. uh, most of the at least past the child age um, dancers will wear makeup and stuff and sure. they're like fake tan and all these things. Right, right. Um, which is funny because like is, Irish people are notoriously pale. Right. So why, why tan? <laughs> I think like one year um, ca- a California team won worlds oh. or something. Like so everyone's that. like we got a tan now or just you know beauty standards change and they right. they leak in all sorts of subcultures but i think i think you know that'll come and go so yeah i did do all this like fake tanning and mm. and uh keep my legs nice so i kind of had to and there is no off season it's it's not like sure. um a lot of people would say you know oh or is it, is it done in the fall or is it done it's right. just year round and if anything it picks up in the summertime so okay and that would yeah, be the all perfect. the festivals and things like that well, oh yeah, we do do Irish dance or 
Irish Fest. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're, they're just like an influx of competitions. For sure. sure. Yeah, sure. I did competitive Irish dance. Oh, um, wow. Solos. And yeah, I, I mean, I liked performances way better. Uh, I'm not oh, really? a very competitive person. So I just liked having fun. And, right. and it's a very kind of like rowdy kind of dance to do. So <laughs> like like the environment or the yeah, actual people, dance? People are like hooting and hollering. And oh, that's okay. encouraged, especially at performances. Maybe not so much at shows. People like clap politely. Right, right. At, wait, uh, at competitions, they clap politely. But it's definitely, um, you know, if you've seen that scene in Titanic mm. when um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the rich lady goes down with sure. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet. <laughs> I don't remember the character's <laughs> name. Oh, Jack and the, I other, don't know one. the <laughs> other one. Yeah, I just know Jack. <laughs> but yeah, so I think he's he came. He's like one of the Irish kids that came over. And oh, they're yeah, all yeah, dancing. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more like composed, but that's like Kaylee dancing basically, which is a group dance. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I studied in Ireland for a little bit, but oh, cool. I never uh, Irish danced. Where did you study in Ireland? Uh, Limerick. Okay. Yeah. So it's on the west side yeah, of yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I guess from there then, when did you pick it back up? <laughs> um, I. You're like, I'm done with Irish dance now. Like, <laughs> yeah. I All through college, I was musing with the idea, but I kind of fell a little bit victim to other people's opinions about it. So many people mm. tried to discourage me from it. It's funny, like all the things that people would... Um, tell me not to do in college is basically all that I do all the time now. <laughs> Why do they discourage you from it? Um, I don't know, because it's it's dangerous and people mm. are worried about you, but also bicycling is dangerous and driving right. a car is dangerous. And I'm a very... I like, got a lot of gripes with bicyclers, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> not, not motorcycle riders, like, uh, like bikers. Yeah, yeah. Because like, especially around here, they... They don't obey traffic laws they for don't, some reason. But then they get mad when like people aren't... Like they're in the middle of the street. Yeah you know, driving down, uh, like a road, but then they run a red light. So yeah, it's like, I are see you the red light thing bothers or are me. you like, are you not? <laughs> yeah. You know, pick the one. Porklandia yeah. episode. I, say, I think it's just a Porklandia. <laughs> the Portlandia the, uh, episode. Looney Tunes version <laughs> yeah, Portlandia. Oh Porky thing. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. The bicycle rides. Yeah. And I mean, it's cool. There's an overlap between like two wheel culture. So a yeah, lot yeah. of bicyclists will, um, come up to me and, and talk to me. And I think it's really cool. Uh, a really cool to thing too but yeah. um yeah it is funny like what they're allowed to do and i feel that way about mopeds too in terms of parking so sure. bicyclists in terms of like stoplights yeah and stop signs and all that kind of stuff yeah. and like what lane and then mopeds in terms of parking because you can put a moped anywhere you apparently can, yeah. like on right the on sidewalk, the sidewalk and if i business. put my ducati on that i'm getting a ticket for sure oh for sure yeah yeah so um <laughs> and they're functioning like the same thing and sometimes right. they don't even take up that much different space um yeah. so i've seen mopeds that are like bigger than my bike just like size wise yeah it's like the, the engine's it's not bigger <laughs> it's the culture around them i think yeah it's, it seems as more of um uh, I don't even know. I don't want to say necessarily they're the do-gooders that ride mopeds, but it seems like, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's maybe less of a stigma or right. because the barrier to entry is lower and there's right. not such a distinct culture. It's more like equalized culture. It's just like right. a lot of different types of people ride mopeds. Right. Or it's like you're not even really riding a vehicle, you know? Yeah, but something you about the fact that it's like an automatic vehicle right. makes it like less hardcore to some people. When <laughs> right. really it's just like, that's the funny thing is a lot of people will ride mopeds and find it less uh, dangerous than motorcycles mm. when it's kind of, I mean, exposure wise, it's the same amount of risk. Right. And um, if anything with motorcyclists, you can accelerate out of the way sooner. If there's yeah. a hazard, um, there's more visibility for you. You tend to be higher up and people tend to like hear you as right. you're coming. And 
I know I went to UW-Madison. It was like Moped mm. City, oh, I bet, which was yeah. really funny. I only saw like a handful of motorcycles there while I was there. And that's that's kind of what I wanted because there's like limited parking and stuff. So sure. it would have been really easy for me to have a bike out there. Right. But I suppose the time just wasn't quite right. So uh, the long answer to the question <laughs> was that um, I got back on the street, I want to say, and I like did dirt biking a little bit in between. Yeah. Um, but I got my, um, like motorcycle endorsement. I did a, a class. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was nice because I was the biggest leap from, you know, dirt biking to the street is obviously like traffic. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so it was great to in simulate environments, be able to just like that rhythm of signaling and, and sure. like downshifting and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was good to, to get over that in anxiety and, I think I did that in 2016. So this is my okay. fourth season and I've owned two bikes, but I've ridden, you know, a lot of different kinds sure. of bikes. Yeah. Cause that, that was the motorcycle. Like I would love to have a motorcycle and ride yeah. around. Um, the thing that always intimidated me was like, is it really hard to learn how to ride it? No, it's really not. Um, the hardest thing is I'd say maybe there's extra skills like small space turning is a little bit difficult. Yeah. There's one thing that they have. They're heavy. They're massive. Yeah, right? they well, it all kind of depends because I was just realizing this the other day. I've yeah. I've been mostly riding my Ducati for a little while now, and it's got different kind of handlebars. And okay. I forgot about the fact that that makes certain kinds of handling more difficult mm. um, than others. And so sometimes you think you just like get into your habits. And yeah. I. I thought that I was just getting like worse at small space maneuvering, but then yeah. I realized that all the other bikes I've ridden have this really broad range of movement and I can mm. make really great small space sure. turns. So what's cool about um, Wisconsin is like the motorcycle community is so strong and the education, motorcycle education yeah. system is really strong. So I could take like a second level riding course with my bike. And I mm. think that would be really helpful because it does, it just handles a little bit differently. So they tend to like, they want to stay up. I think actually when you try to do something too slow is when something mm. like goes wrong. Sure. I've done that like small space maneuvering in a parking lot. And then I suddenly am going too slow and I just like oh, tip no, oh, no, oh, over. No. Yeah, I did that on on my brother's bike once and oh. it wasn't damaged or anything because I tipped over in slow motion. Oh. But he's like, why'd you do that? And I always thought like, if why'd I just like blip the throttle just a little bit, I wouldn't have fallen over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's the mental blocks, I think usually that that stop you, but um, shifting and just like the, the kind of mechanics of it is pretty straightforward. And it's just like, um, I don't know, it's like breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can have better breathing technique, but you can also do it without thinking about it. So. Right, right. Yeah, because I had a similar experience, not on a motorcycle, but on an actual like clip and pedal bike. Where I fell in slow motion, I was like, at a, you know what? It's it's your, like oh, it's it's embarrassing, but it's like everybody's been right. there. They're like, oh, there they go. But, but the, the the sheer panic that happens when you're doing that, and it's all yeah. happening slowly, and you're like slowly going down. You can't get your feet out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, happened to me. Oh, so you were yeah, you're clipped in, so you yeah. couldn't. put that's funny. Yeah, yeah. They were like, they're like, oh, you'll get the hang of it because I used to speed skate, and we used to do uh, oh, cool. ride road bikes, um, like off season training, like land training. And, um, yeah, so I, I was at like a stop sign and I'm like, I really hope this light turns like really quickly because oh, yeah. I'm like already stopped and I was just getting used to him. Yeah. And then just slowly, <laughs> slowly fell down. Um, so, but you create content around motorcycles too. Yeah. So yeah. my, my day job, so to speak, cause it's like a day, night, weekend, I'm going to be doing mm -hmm. work for it tonight is, um, it's consulting. I tend to do um, mostly like 
design and front end development and things like that for websites. Sure. But I do a lot of consulting on content that mm. um, companies make. And so remember um, a newer client came up to me and asked me if I had ever built anything like from the ground up. Sure. Um, a lot of my clients tend to be like established because that's the time when they can afford a web developer yeah, or yeah. someone working, you know, remote to do these kind of more robust like software integrations. That's yeah, a lot yeah. of, a lot of what I do is e-commerce actually. It's just like, and oh, I, okay. and I love that. So yeah. um, when it came to doing content stuff, part of it was me just wanting to have a case study of sure. this is starting from basically nothing, building it from the ground up and st a strategic approach to it and um, like leveraging search engine optimization. Sure. So that's a real like technical back end yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. The core of it all, um, so that's just like a fun, you know, there's no way this can go wrong. If nobody watches, um, right. you know, I learned that my technique is wrong or yeah, at yeah. least I just got a little bit better at editing or if anything more so the editing workflow because I've, yeah. I've edited videos for a long, long time just for fun and for myself, but um, managing just like more and more files and right. um, all that is kind of just like you have to work through that in, in real time and, and do it. Right. Um, but with like the Instagram account and YouTube, they all kind of started from just wanting to try something out. Yeah. I started doing, I think things really, I started treating my account less as a personal account and more as kind of a professional presence. Sure. When I started doing motorcycle self-portraits. Yeah. Uh, that, that was really fun for me. I, I've i always taken uh, travel photos and mm -hmm. photos of other people and I wanted to get better at just like being in front of the camera and I wanted to catalog the experience of riding the sure. bike because it's just, it's uncommon and um you know, that's, that's the thing worth sharing. I mean, anything's potentially worth sharing and people right. find value in it, but I knew that it would be silly for me not to catalog this. Right. I would, I'd be like going against, against every like natural bone in my body, not yeah, to yeah, yeah. incorporate photography into my sure. motorcycle experience. And they go hand in hand in such a cool way. Cause, um, they, each one pushes the other. Like when yeah. I'm riding, it gives me um, more interesting things to photograph and I can go sure. on little missions and tuck in places I wouldn't usually. Right. Um, just like, you know, sometimes walking somewhere instead of driving somewhere is a different experience. Yeah. Like riding somewhere, you can get off road and go cool places. And then having the kind of photography end of it, that pushes me to um, catalog the experience, to make interesting compositions, to challenge myself. Right. Uh, like kind of cerebrally while I'm in these places. I'm like, okay, how can I make the same place look different or make it look that like someone else took the photo? Sure. A lot of people don't realize that they're self-portraits. Yeah. Um, so I think eventually do you want to like compile that and make it a significant like album or something that goes out um, like in a show or I don't know. <laughs> we'll yeah, see yeah, where yeah. it goes. But I would like to um, at least start like printing out them and uh, sharing them with people like offline. That's the thing yeah. I'm trying to push more offline experiences. Yeah. Because what I've noticed, especially about your videos and your content in general, it gets shared a ton. Like is, is yeah. it a very, uh, supportive community like the motorcycle community or is it cause you're so unique that is there less women yeah, there's, in there's motorcycle? A, there's definitely a lot, of factors. a lot of factors in it. I'm, I'm like uncommon in the niche <laughs> and, sure. uh, being like, you know, English speaking, having an Italian bike, that's a little bit, I don't want to call it rare, but it's uncommon. Yeah. It's an uncommon bike. It was hard for me to get. And I know other people what are interested in it. Ducati Scrambler? Yeah, it's a Ducati Nailed Scrambler it. Cafe Racer. First year they made it. Wow. <laughs> um, 
And now they, it's a different bike. They, the 2019, it just like looks totally different. Mm. So they only made my bike the way they made it for two years. Oh, wow. And so it is, you know, it is a little bit special for that reason. So yeah. I knew being a young female motorcyclist, a lot of female motorcyclists tend not to get into it until their 30s and 40s or sure. even later. And oftentimes they'll, they'll choose Harley. Um, yeah. Uh, being like, as long legged as I am, I can ride a broader variety of bikes. So yeah. there's just like a lot of different things that allows me to kind of stand out. Sure. And then on top of all that, I've got the technical background to just like market the content. Right. So there's a lot of reasons I think why it, it worked out well for me. And I think, I mean, one factor too is that I try to do it pretty authentically. Sure. I just try to like be myself and and it's easy to do because you just like put a camera on yourself and you're doing something else so it doesn't feel that performative sure um it feels more performative when the camera is the other direction i like that i can be the right. camera person and um do my commentary at the same time sure sure it's like the moto vlogs that you do yeah, and stuff the, like that. yeah so the moto vlogs are awesome because you just strap the gopro on and you go about your daily life and i'm just basically like stream of consciousness having ideas right, just whatever and, you think of yeah and i I do try to edit them in a way that's a little bit more of a storytelling type thing sure. or kind of have a mood or have a little adventure. They tend to just be like a little adventure because I do um, I do enjoy content of people just being on the bike and talking about anything. Yeah. But I want the Motovlog to be something distinctly different. Like, oh, if I could have had this exact same message uh, delivered but I'm sitting down, like what does the Motovlog add to it? Right. And I think like the adventure element yeah. and the kind of the POV right. and like, look at this, look at that. So I like to do more kind of city tours. I think that's another factor too. The fact that I'm in Milwaukee, it's a huge motorcycle city, Harley's yeah. here. And then uh, the Royal Enfield North American headquarters just opened up here about three years ago, I want to say. Yeah. Those bikes are really cool. Um, yeah, I, they're really cool. The new bikes, they're on tour and they're doing a big event um, coming up soon. So I'll definitely be at that. Nice. But yeah, that's, I think that's why it's going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, some of the videos that you've made have over like 100,000 views. Like was, yeah. was was your expectation like going in? Like, did you know all that going in? Like, Well, I definitely didn't think the one that did really pop off would. Um, Which one was that, by the way? Um, there's one where I did kind of just like a walk around tour of my bike. It was... Pretty much the first video that I did kind of more like out in the wild and yeah, yeah. actually, because uh, I, I eased into it. First I had, it's it's funny how stuff is really difficult and then until you just do it and then it's right. second nature. Yeah. But I just hated being on camera. I hated hearing myself. I hated looking at myself. Really? I just like, it's awful. I still kind of don't like it. And if I'm out of practice for a while, it's hard to want to do it again. So the motorbikes right. are easy because I'm like on camera without being on camera. Right, right. Um, but it's just like, you know, you just got to get over it. But yeah. I just rode out to um, this area of Milwaukee called Jones Island mm -hmm. where they've got... Um, it's just like industrial and, and kind of remote and it, it's yeah. like really open, cool streets to, to ride down and then a little off-roading area. Um, well, just gravel. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I just like walked around my bike and showed the modifications I've made because sure. those are, I found no information online on how to do it. And I mean, I didn't even do a proper tutorial of it. I just showed oh. and talked about the extra pieces you would need. So I was both like delivering valuable information to the people who have this bike and want to swap out these like number panels. Yeah. And that's like the first thing people want to do with this bike because oh, everyone really? runs around with the same number. Oh. Everyone comes with the number 54 and there's a 
you know, historical significance to that with sure. um, uh, Ducati and, and racing bikes in like the 60s and 70s. But okay. it does look kind of silly when yeah. every single cafe racer has the same number. Um, so a lot of people wanted to swap that out. So I did that um, and I just showed it. And yeah. I just took, did the video on my phone. I didn't have a GoPro yet. And um, that just ended up really, really taking off. I did distribute a couple places. There's like scrambler forums um, and mm. there's different little places all over the internet where people right. are looking for this information. And I think that's the big, the big takeaway is the fact that you want to, for me, the, the main things, it's like it either has to be entertaining, informative, or funny like yeah. and that can fall into entertainment but if i'm like missing any of those elements like if it just feels completely pointless if it just feels like i know kind of like an art project and nobody connects with it mm. or it's an art project type thing but it's just too too specific sure um i i like things to be um informative and that's sure that's honestly the stuff that gets uh, seen the most. Right. Kind of been doing a, well, not lately, <laughs> but I want to stick to a pattern of a little bit, one for you, one for me uh, type scenario where right. I'm doing more um, tutorial and how-to kind of stuff paired with um, just kind of more fun lifestyle mm -hmm. stuff because people are looking for the tutorial stuff. I think that's where a lot of people fail with content yeah. marketing and content um, making in general is, they kind of see it as it is a tool of self-expression, right. but they don't realize that if they do genuinely want to grow it um, in a real way, it has to be searchable. And yeah. a lot of people, they don't write up their descriptions. They don't, they try to make these kind of like enticing titles that don't mm. really mean anything. Yeah. And once you have a following, a weird, obscure title would be interesting to people. But when you're just kind of pitching yourself, no one's you, going to look for that. No one's yeah. going to look for it. And no one's going to look for like, what does Megan Stark think about this? It's got to be me unveiling this new thing or uh, me test riding these bikes for the first time. Right. Like my experience on this kind of bike or my experience, um, you know, comparing things. And right. It goes back to authenticity too, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's another thing to, to try, like, toe the line of... Uh, I think it's helpful that I come from a place of not being too technical when it comes to bikes. I'm technical with other things. Right. But um, with the whole kind of like engineering aspect of bikes and um, honing in on like performance elements, mm -hmm. I definitely talk about bikes in a more kind of lifestyle and sure. philosophical and experiential way. Right. Because there's tons of people talking about the technical stuff and they're doing it better and they've got a team of people. Right. So I don't. It's what you know. It's what you experience. Yeah, yeah, do what you know. And then learn along the way, too, especially when, you know, oh, I just learned this and this is influencing this. Like me remembering right. that clip-on handlebars yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are bad for small space yeah, maneuvering. Yeah. It's funny how much you forget and then relearn. And that's why people, I for some reason, I mean, I always get surprised when people want to know. I get messages all the time. People are like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Should I do this? Should I do that? And even with web development, which is kind of like the tertiary level thing that I even talk about online, a lot right. of people want my opinion on things. And that's kind of the most surprising thing about all this. I suppose that's the point. You kind of establish yourself as a right. resource and right. then people ask people you want, more yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they want the resources. Yeah, exactly. Um, so w once all those things, cause even your Instagram as well, um, started kind of accumulating more followers and all that stuff. Was there any sense of like pressure? Did you feel the same way you did at the beginning about it? The beginning was, um, was all just like fun and experimental right. and it felt like more of a photography project than 
a social media strategy kind of game. But then I did get into like hashtag research and you could just like see the results. It's just, I kind of (laughs) like so many of my hobbies and things I like to do, I end up kind of like gamifying (laughs) and I'm not competitive, but I just like, Oh, this is satisfying when things go well. (laughs) Right. When you like do the research and figure it out and it ends up working out. It's valuable information. And as a, as a consultant, like that's great stuff to know. And I then, taught that to um, clients of mine and and leverage that as like income so right. i i think there if anything i i'm kind of here and there about social media sometimes because i'm a private person but i'm also really transparent sure so it's hard for me to navigate that because i don't want to offer up too much myself and regret that or share right. too deep of things but also still want to just like be myself yeah. so i think that's why i and you don't have to make content about yourself online. Right, sure. And that's why I like, like sticking to the motorcycle stuff, but little parts of me filter in. I think that's a good way to do it. But ever so often it does get, cause you know, everyone's got an opinion and mm. you just, you just hear things all day long. And, um, for the most part, it's, it's pretty easy to, to tune out because it's like really random stuff right. most of the time. Always people you don't know. Yeah. People you don't know. And, and it's good to still read it so that you can kind of, you know, gauge how things are being reacted to because i did take a video down recently because um i used the term moped interchangeably with scooter and i just did that earlier oh but it they're distinctly different just so you know yeah um people most people and especially maybe outside the u.s or maybe even outside the midwest because i did a little poll on my instagram sure. and all the midwesterners like kind of use it interchangeably and everywhere else people are like no a scooter is the thing we we're actually talking about um and a moped is one of those um kind of like motorized bicycles that you can like pedal or i never even heard of that before yeah there's like i mean like electric bikes yeah kind of like well but they're gas so and i yeah there are electric bikes too yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so it's kind of like that where there's there's a motor component but then you can also pedal it and sometimes i think it helps charge it what that looks like they're like not that common (laughs) right at least not around here yeah so i was being like lambasted and people really and people were kind of like there's a bigger world outside the u.s for some reason it like people (laughs) make a lot of assumptions about you and they my audience is really international like most of it i think only on pretty much both platforms, only 40% of the people who follow me are from the U.S. Right. And so they just kind of have opinions about, they think people in America aren't very well-traveled or don't have a global perspective. And well, I don't want to... also their opinion too, though, you know? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily right. And the funny thing is, I I could talk extensively about my travels, right. but I don't want to have to like... I don't have Defend to... Defend yourself or like... Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that'll filter in. And it's kind of one of those things where no matter what you do, you can't really control other people's opinion of you yeah you can't please everyone absolutely and that's a good i think that's a good headspace and that's um that's one good learning thing because i just you know when you do branding and consulting and stuff Mm -hmm. half of it is about creating a like continuity amongst the image and curating things to give people a certain impression about things right so it always it feels bad when you're miss misunderstood but you're always going to be a little bit misunderstood because of language or symbols or other people's values or they didn't listen or they misinterpreted something so it is a good exercise and just being like oh i'm gonna lose a good 20 percent of people they just don't get it and that's fine (laughs) yeah i think i you know i i used to be very um scared about that when i first started like creating content and stuff and 
um i was so nervous like i did this whole series about like mental health um because i deal with like ocd and anxiety and stuff so i did like a 30-day series about um mental health and some of them got posted on upworthy and stuff like oh wow legitimate like cool yeah it was cool and then but with that came all of these people that you know just the internet's full of people that are just mad you know yeah if people find catharsis in ways that <laughs> and just shitting on people yeah. and i don't i never understood it but like so now i'm just at a point where it's just like if someone doesn't like what i do well that's fine there's yeah there's another person that does you know some people never really get to experience that because they kind of like stay in a bit of a bubble and of course it gets disrupted scary. every so yeah. yeah it's it it feels yeah it feels awful i remember the first time that I ever shared my writings or I remember the first time publishing YouTube videos and just like feeling that anxiety about it. Right. And now I just like set it and forget it and like come back in a couple hours. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Like these people are here for me. This person didn't get it. This person has like a very accurate critique, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. a really worthwhile thing to, to hear. And so it is nice when you can kind of just uh, filter it out and figure it out for yourself. But then sometimes it does become the wild west. And that's oh, what yeah. the one, the video, cause I didn't have, I think at the time that the video really hit, my channel wasn't even monetized yet. So I don't even know what, right. what a viral video feels like <laughs> in AdSense. Right. But AdSense is like not the way to make money. Right, I love exactly. teaching people how to make money online. I'm like, that yeah. ain't it. But yeah, on that, that, um, that video, I think it's like, I mean, it's, it's getting closer and closer to 200,000 because it, Mm-hmm. the the seo is solid so even after those viral moments it's evened out but right. it continues to to, to get viewed um because it's like it's worthwhile information but i think a lot of it is just like ah dudes online being weird uh, and uh, saying weird stuff to me so i just don't go back there and i figured out how to filter out certain words and so it's right, a little YouTube and stuff, it's a yeah. little bit less hostile but uh, people are creative and they use words i've never even heard before or they put like oh they misspell them on purpose yeah, yeah. so it like, gets through yeah. so yeah, and I, I think it would be cool one of these days, like if this continues to go, because I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of here and there about it. I would, it's it's a cool way to ultimately boost my business. That's mm-hmm. kind of um, For sure. the sneaky back end of it. Well, there's a couple sneaky motives. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get more women into writing and the fact that I know that women just like to research the heck out of stuff before they do things, especially right. kind of big things or things that are not encouraged for women. Sure. Um, a lot of people tend to need not quite permission, but they want access to it through something. Like I want to pre-experience this. I've yeah. I feel that a lot with the women in my life, or at least um, some of them. They kind of just want to know everything to maybe expect to set the expectations. I think a lot right. of more guys are just willing to just jump into it. Like, doesn't matter right. if I have a cousin who's done it. Like, I'm going to do it. Right, right, right. And a lot of women are like, oh, well, you know, I won't get into it unless I, I have access to it. Or My idea is like, it's already so socially not acceptable that they like, they want to make sure it's really, really something they want to do before yeah. they have to go through all the shit of people like shitting on them for doing it. Yeah. Or- and some of it is preparing for all those extra questions people are going right. to have about you have to do a little bit of justification, but then... Because as a guy, I can just hop on a bike and everybody's cool with it. Yeah, no one cares. No one like asks like why or why how. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. like what's your motive for this? But to me, I I know I just have such a solid community of people around me, and it's just a lot of people have now met me after the bike or because of the bike. Um, so there's not really the same. I don't mm. like I don't deal with like normies anymore. No, <laughs> yeah. I do, but um, there's fewer and people fewer and fewer people who are like baffled by the whole concept of right. it, and especially in Milwaukee, I suppose like. But then when I do travel, I tend to do motorcycle things. But um, when it's like not as as shocking <laughs> and it's growing to be less, uh, 
not stigmatized because I don't think it was quite stigmatized. Like some people, if anything, it gets stigmatized for mothers for some reason. Um, from, and from mothers or for mothers. Oh, so for mothers. a lot of times people expect women to stop riding once they have kids. Oh. And, you know, I can't really speak from from that perspective, but I do see that. And people like right. act like it's irresponsible. I'm like, what about dads? Like yeah. <laughs> um, if dads, they die. Who cares? You yeah, know, it's, like, it's, what it's is all that. You're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, how irresponsible you have children. It's like he's he's <laughs> most uh, I know tons of moto dads. <laughs> that is funny. That's, I think motorcyclists are mostly dads. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, that's interesting. Because, yeah. Yeah. I guess that that is the assumption that the mom is more important in the social yeah. or in the family construct than the, yeah. than the dad is or something. Or at least like, cause if the dad goes, huh, who cares? But if mom goes, then everything is just terrible. Yeah. It's a weird, I don't know where people are coming from with yeah. that specifically, but um, yeah. So one, one motive for making all this stuff is to get more women, women into it. And it's so cool. Cause like, you know, there is all that garbage that comes through and I just gotta mm. be like, okay, thanks for like, for some reason, someone's lately been really wanting to take me out for avocado toast, which is like in the grand scheme of people harassing, that's a very nice harassment. So yeah, I, yeah. I eventually finally said like, that's very kind of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, instead of just ignoring it and being like, Ooh, but I'm like, it's not that creepy. Like, cause I've had some stuff. And when I do share yeah. the cute, like things that people say to me, people are like, Oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, there's stuff that this I just is, can't say. This is just one comment. Yeah, or this one is the stuff message. I feel comfortable sharing because right. I don't want to spread that bad energy. <laughs> right. Or just show people like this is what is happening. Cause it, I feel yeah. like that just more people come. Yeah. Cause then once you start kind of complaining about it, people are like, oh, it affects you. Like, I'm going to do more of this. So, right. So I'm getting to you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. So yeah. it's so like ignoring is, <laughs> oh man, like, people hate being ignored. <laughs> but it's also, it's also from, uh, at least from my perspective, it was like the hardest thing to do is to not say something sometimes. And, you know, to just yeah. like, even though it's the best option sometimes. Well, the, the hardest thing, cause I love not saying things. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I try to be pretty careful. Um, but sometimes it, it like depends on my headspace and I'm feeling mm. like a little tired or slap happy or like right. outgoing. I'll also say anything. But when it comes to online, um, I try to be, I'm not very like trigger happy or right. uh, responsive. Um, so I think that that's a good thing. I right. think it's because I don't use Twitter. <laughs> I feel like Twitter like enables oh, that like yeah. knee jerk. And I haven't used Twitter since like college and I would just use it to just stream of consciousness, whatever right. jokes I had yeah, yeah. workshopping. <laughs> um, but when it comes to um, people like commenting online, I tend to just ignore it. And if it's just someone clearly trolling, I'll sometimes delete it or I'll just leave it. But the thing about leaving it is that someone else can swoop in. That's the thing about right. being a female motorcyclist. I think people kind of, they want to assume like a dad role kind of, and they want to like defend you. I mm. think that happens with people online a lot yeah. when people are kind of fans of you or right. they just want to keep right. you safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a nice sentiment, but then it just gets messy. So then I have to delete things anyways. <laughs> right. It's, it's like you can, if you comment on someone's comment on the internet, you already lost. Like you can't win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, they're not going to change their mind. They're not going to change who they are. How they commented is. Yeah. How you they can see by their language or by their tone. Like you can just see what they're working with and if they're right. open to an actual discussion or, um, and sometimes people are brutal but right. And that's why I took down the moped mm. versus scooter thing. Cause this guy was, it was like really brutal critique and other people are like, they just had, you know, kind of more tepid responses sure. like, Oh, I don't know. Like we all call them this. Um, but it, it was, it was definitely right. And that's, you know, it's always good to, to grow and learn and mm -hmm. no one knows everything. And, and right. but some people are totally full of crap and you can ignore right. them. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 
I mean, that, that's the thing, though. Not everyone knows everything, even the people commenting on videos. You yeah, know? That's, I see that a they lot. They could be wrong, too. Or a lot of people, and this is kind of classic. Some people do call it mansplaining, but I think it's just classic know-it-all. Like, people just like to be know-it-alls. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, no shade to my grandma, but I like to joke that my grandma mansplains things to me. <laughs> um, you know, I like went to school for graphic design for four years, but she'll tell me like what my logo should be. And I'm like, right. oh, well, it's this. She goes, no, it should be this. I'm yeah, like, yeah. too late. <laughs> Every grandma in the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so people, especially people a little bit older, they like mm-hmm. to tell younger people what to do. And it's obviously, it's always good to just like be open ears, but you don't have to absorb everything. So right. um, yeah, definitely there's people or like a lot of people, it's tough. It's tough making YouTube videos because I wanted it to be the one thing that I don't have to be neurotic about. I thought it was going to be the yeah. one thing that I could make shitty and everything would be fine. Right. But then it got out of hand and now I've like made some nice ones and people are like, oh, make it like this all the time. Like, like oh no, it took under, me so yeah. long. Exactly. <laughs> the editing is insane. And, um, and just like, yeah, when you hit a certain quality, then people expect you to continue to meet that. Mm-hmm. And I... It is another one of those things, those those 360 image thing. And I'm like, well, as a web developer and, and content strategist, like, shouldn't I be making nice polished content? But I'm right. also still a team of one. And I only just upgraded to a camera that can autofocus in live mode. So oh. I had a video where, like, I was just a little bit out of focus. Mm, people roast you for that? Well, I didn't totally get roasted. But, well, someone explained to me in depth about focal length. And I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> I was like... And honestly, sometimes I don't care if I'm out of focus because right. this was me like going over my helmet moto vlog setup. Sure. So I was like, the helmet and the camera were in focus, right, but right. I was slightly out of focus. And I was like, that's the dream. I always want to be slightly out of focus. <laughs> but, you know, other people want to like see me in focus. So I get what yeah. they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what we can also talk about your clothing your clothing brand yes um which is great lakes great lake right not yeah, lakes. great lake supply co well it kind of rolls off the tongue and i don't mind that people sometimes call it great lakes because it just having supply as the next word yeah, yeah, it just yeah. leads you into that but from a url perspective like i knew like a it plumbing would look company weird. or something isn't it oh yeah it yeah. is yeah i'm trying to beat them in seo <laughs> um i've got to move the site and do some extra stuff yeah, yeah. um but you know duty calls i've had a lot of web yeah, development yeah. projects lately and that's also good but it's yeah. it kind of pumps the brakes on certain projects. So I haven't really, I haven't had time to make in the moving and all the stuff. I haven't had time to make a video, but, um, so with great Lake supply co I have uh, pretty, pretty big ambitions for it. So right now it's only online and the whole kind of idea started. I had these like ideas knocking around in my head of kind of converging coffee culture and moto culture, which, which already exists. Cause there's a type of bike called a cafe racer, which I have. And okay. those are basically it's a, a styling and somewhat of a performance choice. So they okay. were notorious, um, in England a long time ago. And they were distinct because they had, they'd been optimized for performance more so than comfort. Yeah. Um, so these like low clip on handlebars, like really streamlined look, they often have like a racing cowl on the back. So it's just like a one up, um, kind of seating situation Sure. and, um, they're naked bikes and, you know, back, back then they didn't really put many fairings on bikes in the first place. Um, but now. Yeah, what does it mean to be naked? Yeah. What does it mean to be naked? (laughs) No, it is like a whole philosophy too, though. I've, I've gone into that for sure. But, um. A lot of um, more modern bikes have plastic fairings and all these kind of bits and bobs that aren't, um, they're not 
Well, they are they are functional for you know streamlining and like okay. you know wind deflection and and keeping the wind out of your face yeah. and um, like comfort because when you're being slammed by the wind the whole time it can be a little bit uncomfortable. So right. a lot of touring bikes will have big windscreens sure, sure. and um, naked bikes don't have any of that. They're okay. stripped down. It's just like the basics. You can see the tank. There's nothing covering it. Um, it's just kind of all the essentials. Okay. So. It's an aesthetic choice, and um, sometimes they're retro-inspired, but sometimes they're not. There's okay. a growing kind of look of these Street Fighter-esque bikes, which look very, like, kind of cut up. And um, I think, like, maybe the the Japanese uh, bike manufacturers really pioneered that style of naked but not retro-looking. Okay. So it's a cool subculture. So not all cafe racers, well, pretty much all cafe racers are naked bikes, but all, not all naked bikes are cafe sure, racers. Sure, sure, sure. And... Um, other than the styling stuff about the cafe racers, there is this whole kind of other culture. At least nowadays, it tends to be people who like more of a vintage retro style. But um, back when they were a new thing to uh, ride around, yeah, people they were called cafe racers um, apparently because people would like race each other to different cafes. Okay, okay. So it was a cute little thing, and I don't know if it was like, oh, I'll race you here, and if the espresso gets cold, then you lost. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's kind of where the term originated, and okay. I just love like coffee meets motorcycling. It makes so much sense to me. Right. Um, so I had all these ideas. So they are one of the designs I'm wearing. Yeah. It's um, a spade with latte art inside of it. So these yeah. kind of like, um, like spades and clubs and that kind of stuff is, is pretty big in, in motorcycling and just, um, well, I've, there's this place called Ace Cafe and a lot of people were telling me like, you should do um, uh a club version of this but i'm like oh the, the spade is my thing and the yeah, club yeah. is ace cafe so it would be cool to visit them one of these days i think they have a location in london i want to say but then they might also be in the u.s i haven't okay. really looked into them that much um is but it a chain or is it just a I, couple i think it's just they have um like more than one location okay. but it's not i don't think it's yeah, a chain yeah. or anything like that these designs were kind of knocking around in my head and I have this background in graphic design and sure. branding and identity. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to make these and it would be fun to put them on shirts. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I had, I had the, I had the local concept. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's like if you give a mouse a cookie, just one thing <laughs> led to another. And, um, I spent a significant amount of time in June and July of last summer, mm -hmm. um, really perfecting the designs and ordering samples and getting it down pat. And then, yeah. Um, so it's right now it's e-commerce and, uh, it's, it's cool. A lot of people ask me where most of my orders come from. They assume Wisconsin because I'm here and because sure. there's a lot of people who ride here, but I have orders going out all over the world. And that was cool. one cool thing about, um, you know, building this business and then being able to incorporate that into the content that I make. Yeah. Um, and that's like kind of the best thing to do is to have a kind of product to sell or something to buoy up something that you're like working sure. towards people getting excited about not just it is cool to just be like a personality but that's not really my goal yeah because i can just be a personality in my regular life like i don't need a <laughs> yeah. hundred thousand people watching it and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but with the uh, great lake supply co p i yeah orders go out to ireland the uk like perth australia people are asking me if i can ship to the canary islands and like spain is yeah that, yeah just like very obscure places. I saw a draft of an order that might go out to Saudi Arabia. And wow. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. I was like, how the heck is someone in Saudi Arabia watching me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, people all over, um, like Malaysia, the Philippines, a lot, India, because um, like 
they just like love motorcycles in India, especially Royal Enfield. And so I'm excited to do some Royal Enfield videos for, for the Indian viewers. Um, but yeah, yeah, so orders have going, have been going out all over the world and I want this, you know, I was talking about wanting to bridge the gap between online and in real life experiences because that's just, that's just really important for me. You know, I was internet kid raised on the internet very indoors. Like I just have more profound experiences in real life with people and I work on the computer all the time. I just always want to get off the computer and I'll do anything. I'll like clean my whole house to just like, um, (laughs) to get a break. That's kind of how I started. Um, I was working like a handful of shifts a week at a local coffee shop here. Mm. And, uh, that was like one of the best ways for me to, to meet people and to, feel like productive while also just like not being at the computer and doing web development. I, in especially remote web development, I wasn't like meeting anyone new in town. A lot of my clients were in like Texas and Iowa and other places. And now I do have like a really awesome Milwaukee client that I love working with. And I have um, like built a really solid network and especially with like writing and meeting people in the writing community here. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, bridging that gap and making more offline experiences. So I want Great Lakes Supply Co. ultimately to be a retail space, a physical retail space, and that has a cafe component. Oh, cool. We do have Fuel Cafe here, but it's mostly restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have their merchandise up front. But this would be like full-fledged retail, a little bit more like um, kind of like a unisex, uh, like, menswear-esque kind of stuff um i always find that stuff to be unisex but maybe some other people don't but i've got a good relationship with thoroughgood boots um and those are american-made boots well they're made in merrill wisconsin actually which is really cool um some of their styles are like red wing uh red wing heritage and i think they started around the same time okay um so i would love to be a retailer for thoroughgood um there's like you know leather jacket companies i'd love to work with and then develop like really original products of my own. Obviously the designs for my products are original, but I'm not designing the shirt and manufacturing that. Sure. Um, so just embroidering and, and screen printing and stuff like that. Yeah. But, the embroiders are really cool. Yeah. The, and a lot of people like they don't realize until they see it in person right. or until they see a really close up image. Um, but yeah, the embroidered shirts have, have gone really well. Um, like a lot of people like them and, right. uh, but yeah, I want it to be, a cafe and ultimately kind of a bit of a hangout spot, like how Rochambeau is kind of just like a fixture of the community. Um, A lot of people just hang around and they have certain expectations. Like they, they come in because they love the staff and they love the vibe and people will have coffee and stay for a while. You can go there and see like 10 people that, you know, and I kind of want to be a hub like that because the new fuel cafe, super nice and super cool, but it's, it's kind of blown open the doors on the whole thing. And it's less of a, Oh, I'll probably see like a buddy there and more just like really anybody comes in. Right. Which is cool. The thing I have about fuel cafe is that like, I really, I like it there a lot and Mm -hmm. I would like to sit outside. I like to sit outside, but like inside the music is so loud that it's like, it's hard to sit there for a while. And I'm a sensitive person (laughs) and I, it's hard for me to not just like listen to the music. Um, Right. Or just not be able to focus on one thing. Or sometimes if music is too loud, I can't taste my food. <laughs> really? <laughs> not like I can't taste it completely. It's gone but numb, guys. Yeah. Turn no, it down. I kind of like isolated sensory experiences. And right. so I, that is one cool thing about having like uh, a physical cafe is that I could have these, you know, one thing about buying motorcycle gear, especially as a, a female rider is 
you want to feel the material, you want to see how it fits on you and you want right. to feel good in it. There are certain products that look amazing and you can buy them online and they suit some people, but they don't suit others. Sure. I went all the way to Brooklyn. Well, not just to do this because I just love going to New York. Yeah. But I went to this place called Jane Moto in Brooklyn, which is they're functionally like they would be like the brother store kind of they they're doing the concept that I want to bring here. Sure. Um, about 20% of their business is selling coffee. They um, have espresso there. And then I think close to like 60 or more percent of it is retail. They okay. sell, you know, helmets, jackets, riding pants, sure. uh, riding boots. And then they also do custom bikes there. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's something that probably could do down the line, but right now that is like not my lane. <laughs> right. How does custom bikes even work? Like make them from scratch or is there like a body and then you kind of uh, tweak it? It all kinds of depends. I think most people, when they do custom bikes, they start with like a vintage bike and sure. then you just start swapping things out okay. star-wise. But then sometimes people really do build a bike basically from scratch. I'm watching someone um, who's doing that over in Brooklyn, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, and just like hodgepodging a lot of really interesting different uh, pieces together onto the same bike. And basically, I think the rule, because you have to be able to tell the government or whatever sure. what, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think either it's the engine or the frame that determines what bike it's registered as. Okay. Um, I you know don't quote me on that <laughs> but yeah. I, I think that's it well i will and yeah. i'll have the internet come after <laughs> yeah. you if you're wrong <laughs> they will be after you yeah i was like i'm totally fine saying what i don't know and yeah, that yeah. one i'm not totally sure on but um yeah so custom bikes my brother's a mechanical engineer oh, that's um cool. and so he's got tons of ideas for products for me uh that he wants to make and then my mom is a well she used to be a seamstress uh she still does, does she do the, that stuff for you no oh. i actually i outsource this right now okay. but i want to bring it to wisconsin or i outsource it to um like north carolina right now i gotcha but i want to bring it to wisconsin um once things get bigger sure sure um right now you know things are growing and yeah. it's exciting but it's also just like well like as things grow, you got to throw more money at it in different of ways. Course, and, yeah. and I'm just funding the whole thing myself. So I'm like, all right, I got to do some more web development. So right, I can right. put the money into this. And it's cool because it's like keeping pace. Oops, sorry. Oh, no, <laughs> it's keeping pace with the growth, which is cool. So I, I don't ever feel like I'm out money and I actually think I'm technically not. Um, but, uh, it's a still a pretty new business. So right. I definitely don't want to, um, you know, overhype, like the success right. thus far, but the reach is impressive. I got to yeah. say. Yeah. And so I can just see if things continue to grow as, as they are. Um, and it's kind of starting to look a bit exponential. It'll be a pretty exciting thing. Yeah. Is how long down the road is that like a goal for you? Like I kind of want, so I'm kind of at a crossroads because I love that idea. Like with e-commerce, if I needed to change my whole life about this, I could just, like close it, close up shop right, in, right. in a moment. Yeah. And I do have a lot of in-person inventory right now, but I could just like clear, clear that all out and I would be out no money. Right. It's really cool that I yeah, can have yeah. low overhead doing online business and then kind of using my office space as like a bit of a showroom. I could see it being a physical space by the end of the year or at oh, least wow. like start building it out. Sure. But I kind of also like the idea of, um, having just the coffee as a pop-up and still doing this kind of showroom thing where I, sure. where I'll host maybe like an open showroom event and people can come in and shop. But if I do want to start selling more of other people's items, 
then it's got to be a physical space right. and and that's like half the the point of the experience so i mean I've, i'm always looking at spots and i've got um you know the business plan yeah yeah <laughs> so we'll see it's pretty up in the air right now um but i would love to to be able to have the physical space because then we can we can bring people in for like workshops and cool right. you know after hours type things and yeah what would you call it yeah is it like gonna be the Sometimes I think it would be Great Lake Cafe, but it would be stronger to me just being Great Lake Supply Co. And then people come in, they go, oh, there's coffee here. It it would be kind of registered more as a retail space because that would be kind of the bigger point of it. Right. Um, But, you know, motorcycle stuff, they're big ticket items. Like, yeah, it'd be hard to walk out without you know, spending hundreds of dollars. So I want people to still feel like they can come in even if they don't have hundreds of dollars to spend. Right. Um, so I'll probably like cover some more like fun lifestyle stuff, like locally made candles and stuff like that. Yeah. But the coffee, I think, is what would bring everybody together and people right. just swoop in. And I think it would be a really great experience. Um, yeah. And I want to, I know people are kind of thirsting for the, the kind of like female hub for all of that. And mm. it wouldn't obviously be an exclusively uh, female place. It's a club. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what i Sorry. Um, no, I want it to just be this like more universal space. Right. Um, but for it to be a resource for women because sure. that's that's like. What that's what you're looking, looking to push. For. Yeah. Yeah. People put that on me because like I'm a female writer and I I don't mind it, but I definitely I try to make things uh, relatively universal and maybe I'll lean into it a bit more and talk more specifically about my experience. But I don't know if I've had that. Like, I think I've kind of had an atypical female writing experience or at least from what I've seen online. I think part of it plays in the fact that um, Milwaukee is pretty progressive and it's really welcoming and... um, I don't know. I've, I I don't get like the same microaggressions that maybe other yeah. uh, female writers do. And then the online experience of being a female writer is totally different than the in-person. Like online, oh, it's kind of so? hostile. Oh, yeah. And in-person, people are just like excited <laughs> and it's just fun. Right. Like bike people, they just want to talk to anybody who rides. <laughs> and yeah. So it's a great conversation starter. And first, I people coming up to me, I was like, oh, why are you coming up to me? Right. But I just know they're like, because you're ready for them to like fight you or something yeah, based on or, online comments. Yeah, well, not and this was before I even really started posting online. I just didn't know why strangers would come up to me on the street. Right, right, right. <laughs> it just like makes you uncomfortable. But yeah. then now I know. Well, this bike is cool, and they want to ask me about it. Right. So it's it's almost always uh, pretty innocent. Yeah. So the I was going to ask the yeah the online versus the in person experience. Are you? getting people as well on your channels on your social media that aren't necessarily people that like bike stuff like they just like kind oh, of yeah are interested or that happens a little bit more on instagram than it does on youtube because i think yeah. youtube is like a bigger investment like a right. bigger time investment you're like i kind of got to be into this to want to spend this much time doing but i it. watch your moto vlogs and i don't really necessarily like bikes and i thought they were really cool yeah i try to make them like I said, kind of more... It's more of like a tour of Milwaukee, you know? Yeah, and so many people just don't know what's up with Milwaukee. But I, yeah, I love to give people lens into Milwaukee. And sometimes I think like, oh man, I kind of like do all the same stuff all the time. But it's interesting to <laughs> yeah. other people. Yeah, or like yeah, I yeah. have the same kind of route. Right, so sure. now it's encouraging me to branch out a little bit. And for you to explore too, kind of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I just like exploring on my own. And I'd be doing that even without the... Um, social media stuff because sure. of the camera stuff and yeah, yeah, something yeah. about cataloging something makes you do more. And right. I think 
um, yeah, it just kind of motivates you. It gives you a little bit of extra purpose. And then you have this like evidence to look back on it. Like, Oh, I did this cool little thing. Right, and then yeah. one of my favorite videos I ever made was, um, my friend Narissa and I went riding on black Friday okay. and we went down to Jones Island where they have the, um, big mounds of salt and it's okay. cool because the road salt. And so they, it gets kind of oxidized because it's sitting out there partially tarped and partially exposed the elements. Yeah. So it gets all blue looking and it looks like these beautiful space mountains. And I've taken so many photos there cause it's so cool looking. Yeah. But I had taken her there for the first time. So it was cool that, um, we could just be like excited about it together yeah. and we're just having fun and being silly. And it was, and then I edited it. I tried to be like, I don't know. I was very precise with the way I edited it. Sure. And I tried to make it this kind of cool story. And at the end, it feels a little bit surreal. And I like made yeah. the music a little strange too. And I, I love that one so much. And a lot of times like people are saying like, well, you're onto something here. So yeah. I hope I can continue to do that. Make it feel like you're watching a movie. Right. It's just like people would watch, um, you know, plenty of films that has right. not, stuff has nothing to do with them, but they're, it's a compelling narrative or pe right. the characters are interesting or right. it's entertaining. Um, human experience. You know? Yeah. Entertaining. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, like your stuff, your clothing and all that stuff is really cool. I love the crew neck sweater. Yeah. It's uh what, like maroon. Is that the okay. color scheme? Yeah. And you know, I'm really sad. The manufacturer is discontinuing oh, it. Oh, I better buy one. Then. Are there <laughs> yeah, any left? I'm wrecked. Well, yeah, there are, okay. but all out of smalls in the maroon, uh, the best color. Don't need a, so don't nice. need a small. <laughs> so I'm good. Yeah. Um, and it's unisex sizing. It's pretty much men's sizing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and the hat too, the winter hat. I love that. The yeah. gray hat. Um, but yeah, so where can people find that stuff at? Yeah. So they can find it at greatlakesupplyco.com. And I'm also on Instagram sure. as Great Lake Supply Co. and as Stark Naked with two K's in Naked. Yep. And then on YouTube as Megan Stark, Megan with an H. <laughs> Did you get a lot of Game of Thrones stuff thrown at you? Yeah. Well, you know, I've got Iron Man, I've got Game of Thrones. Oh, Iron Man too, and yeah. then. Um, anyone who's a fan of James Dean might know that his character in Rebel Without a Cause is James Stark. So that's, wow. that's, that's my, a lot of Starks. Yeah. I'm trying to know all of the Stark knowledge, but yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a Stark powerful knowledge. name. It yeah. means strong in German. So oh, yeah. Does it? yeah, it's a great, I love Stark being my last name. Wow. Yeah. Cause I didn't know really any Starks until Game of Thrones. That's the first time I heard the last name. Yeah. And they're a good family, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been keeping up. I tried up. to aspire. Uh, yeah. Well, it's over now, you know. Yeah. So. And I hear people are, are mixed about it. But yeah, yeah. I haven't watched because it's kind of a traumatizing show to watch. And oh, they're yeah, using my last name. So I feel like these people are my distant relatives. Right. And it's, it's hard to watch that stuff happen to them sometimes. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, <laughs> yeah. guys? And my parents named their dog Sansa. Oh, really? So now I especially can't watch the show. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just maybe a happenstance, too. Uh, like, oh, who knew? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> no, they knew. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. We're, we're amusing with Aria, but there's too many syllables. But, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thanks for coming on i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me yeah. i was about to say i hope i didn't babble too much but that's no, kind of the that's point that's kind of the point yeah awesome. yeah